Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? Welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you news and tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, you can hear Tech Radio on air with RTE Friday evenings or anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Google, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We also keep you up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 853 and joining as always is Niall Kitson. It's a bit of a slow week this week, Niall, isn't it? To say the least, yeah, yeah. It welcome welcome to, be... to like delayed January. Well, maybe, but you know why I think it's a slow, slow news week? It's because all of the tech companies are out celebrating their amazing profits. Actually, that's that's not a bad argument at all. Uh, January, as we know, is its results season. Uh, so an awful lot of the heavy hitters have been out saying what a what a good year they've had. And believe it or not, like the results for um, the fourth quarter of 2020 in Techland anyway, have been very positive. Uh, Microsoft has had a good time, uh, largely thanks to, of course, cloud services. But even the Xbox was a, a big revenue driver. And it's expected to be uh, even more so in the coming year when they can keep start keeping up with uh, with demand. So that's something they're going to be super happy over. Um, Samsung less less kind of happy with their with their with their quarter. I mean, they're uh, they were up eight point six percent in revenue, but their operating profit was actually down. So um, yeah, they wouldn't be too happy. But one company that is incredibly happy of course, is uh, is Apple who just released their results. And uh, apparently they have 21% year-on-year growth to a total of 111.4 billion. That's in a quarter. 21% year-on-year growth for a company that has been around for nearly 50 years. Well, I mean, let's let's not go two knots there. I mean, it has been around 50 years. I mean, well, m- mid-70s. Apple, Apple started mid-70s. You're right. Now that I think about it, gosh, when you when you think about the, the things that have defined our lives, when you see that they're you know turning fifty, it's a bit depressing. But anyway, yeah, and and then the fact that they they're still managing to up their uh, profits by twenty percent year on year, it's like whoa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it is quite ridiculous, and it's it's the first time that Apple have gone beyond the hundred billion mark in sales. And going through the product categories, I mean, we don't have figures for um, Apple Music split out, which I think would have been really interesting. But their overall services, which would be iCloud and uh, I guess music would be thrown in there as well. Um, they put it 15.8 billion, which is an increase of 17%, which I guess says an awful lot about what people are doing uh, in terms of, you know, they, they want to subscribe to music maybe as a competitor to Spotify or because they they can't go out to the shops and buy physical CDs because um, people still do that, apparently. They do? Uh, really? Or, oh, my you know, right. rent movies uh, over iTunes, which is something I've been doing an awful lot of over the over the last few months. Um, mm. The wearables market has gone up 29%. And when we say wearables, we, we know what that's code for. I mean, it's, it's the Apple Watch, basically. Um, mm. And I, I think that's very, very healthy. I mean, for a device that kind of straddles fashion and fitness, and I think really only 
found its feet when it it ditched the the executive look and decided, mm. okay, we're going to be something that caters to our more traditional demographic. So this is going to be a good device for younger people who want to stay in shape, who have a creative side. Um, and that's that's pretty much where it landed. And if you look at the watches that it came out over the previous year, like the, the Apple Watch SE is probably the uh, the best of the bunch at the moment. Uh, if you don't mind not having an always on screen and fairly rubbish battery battery life in comparison to uh, to its competitors out there. But um, yep, so wearables definitely up. The iPad, the iPad, the redheaded stepchild of the Apple product line. Um, you know, yes, it, it kind of owns the tablet space, but uh, one of the best things they did was release the iPad Pro to sort of admit that, yeah, people are using their iPads like laptops. So let's just come out with a a laptop grade uh, tablet and, and see what happens. Sales of iPads are up 41%. 41%? 41%. 8.4 dollars. They're probably riding on the success of COVID. And there's two words you don't usually use in the, in the same sentence. Well, if people are at home more, they just need more tech and they need more tech services. And I, I think technology has done very well out of this pandemic. They, they need more stuff to distract themselves with. But they also had the, the big release this year of the M1 processor. Um, oh. And that's going to be like, that's a game changer for Apple mm. completely. And Mac sales are up 21% uh, to 8.7 billion. So you have to look at it. And, you know, they, they had the 16 inch mm. MacBook Pro released last year. Um, and that was huge for them, um, with, with the creatives anyway. And do you, do you have more than two grand to spend on a 16 inch laptop when you can get a 15 inch, uh, a decent 15 inch laptop for less than a thousand euro these days? You know, it's a very, very hard expense to justify. But now the M1s have arrived and they seem to be blowing the Intel, uh, out of the water, uh, and, and the AMDs as well. Uh, so there seems to be this initial rush to go out and buy them. Uh, I'm, yep. But for the fact that I'm, I'm barely a year into my current machine, uh, I'd certainly have my head turned by a, a new MacBook Air. <laughs> so with all of this success, this is not a good week then to buy Apple shares because no doubt they are just going to go wee through the yeah, roof. Yeah, the, the, the time to buy Apple shares is just after a product announcement. Yeah, when everybody's going, Ugh. Yeah, when a little bit of scepticism kicks in or people realise, oh my God, this isn't mm. going to be a game changer. This is an incremental mm. improvement or, oh, this is too much of a risk now. We, we can't be getting into this. Um, that's, that seems to be the time to invest in Apple shares. Listen, speaking of uh, game changer or games anyway, and money and stocks and shares, that's the other big story this week, isn't it? It is. Yeah. How to get your own back on Wall Street, uh, courtesy of Reddit. Uh, now, this this is a story that popped up in the news there midweek. And he, do you, are you familiar with the practice of short selling? Now, I found out about this on Monday from uh, my son. Right. And he uh, basically was trying to explain short selling to me. Uh, then he said he's in on this. All right. And the reason he's in on it is because social media is sticking it to the man. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. So. He, so he got himself an account. He put 100 quid in on, on it. And uh, and that's fine. And I said, how are you getting on with that? And he goes, brilliant. It's now worth 300 quid. <laughs> I'm like, 
Fine. Anyway, <laughs> yes, short st- selling. I have, I have, my understanding of short selling is what you will do is you will acquire uh, stocks. You won't own them, but you will kind of like borrow them from a broker. Okay. And mm-hmm. there will be a, a, an interest charge or there will be a small fee for, for, so you will pay, say, 10 euro for borrowing 100 euros worth of stocks in whatever. All right. And the idea, the idea is, is that the stock will fall in value to, say, 50 quid. So then when the broker says, right, now it's time to stop borrowing, you need to pay me for these uh, shares, you will pay him the 50 quid, but you sold them at the 100 euro value that you initially got them at, and therefore making 50 euro. Have I explained that? Okay, right. Go ahead. It, 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 it is a bit complicated to do without pen and paper. Mm. <laughs> but essentially what you're doing is you are, you're placing a bet, all right, very short. You're pay, placing a bet that stock is going to fall in value. If the stock falls in value, you make money. If the stock goes up in value, you've got to pay for that increase. Okay, right. And so the whole thing is predicated on sort of guessing there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of, uh, you know, hard research going on. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Uh, but you you have to sell those shares almost as quickly as you get them. Oh, almost immediately, yeah. Hmm. Because okay. that's the bet. The bet is not whether the share is going to go over. It, your bet is that it's going to go down. So you kind of want to borrow those shares and then sell them immediately at that price because you're hoping that they will then absolutely fall off a cliff price-wise. Right. So this is the complete opposite to what they what they call pump and dump, where you you get a, a line on a share, you buy low and you sell high. Yeah, it's, it's the exact opposite. They find ways of making money. Anyways, listen, tell me about uh, GameStop and this shorting process that's going on this week. OK, well, basically, as as you laid out there quite, quite clearly, you are betting on the value of a share going down. Uh, so what happened on Reddit was a, a group of users, uh, which eventually ended up with international reach, decided that, do you know what, GameStop is is undervalued. And and maybe even more than that, maybe they're, you know, a sentimental attachment that, you know, Ga- GameStop is a company that's, it's going through a tough time and it's not, it's not as bad as people say it is. You know, may, maybe people have worked there in the past and have a, a fondness for the brand or whatever. So uh, a group of people went, do you know what, yeah, it's undervalued at, we'll call it $10 a share. That's that's not a fair price. So let's try and bring up the price of GameStop and uh, maybe even see as, see as high as it will go. The result being that all these people who have been uh, trying to short sell GameStop will actually be left with massive fees to the point now where it is actually cost hedge funds, which are generally responsible for short selling. Five billion dollars. I don't were you, were you familiar with the company? Maybe they're still going, but I remember in the 90s, I was in the States for a little bit and the business channels were just flooded with ads for Ameritrade. And what they were doing at the time was they, they were basically trying to get people, ordinary people to become day traders on the stock market. Just go in, Try it, you know, a little bit of gambling, maybe, you know, see if you like it just to try and convert regular people, get them thinking that maybe it's the equivalent of a Paddy Power bet. Of course, you know, back then, you know, uh, not the same way that we look at Paddy Power or the, the betting websites these days. But just a very simple idea. Encourage people to try the stock market and maybe you'll make a little bit. Maybe you won't. Maybe you could be quite successful. And it absolutely bombed. 
Uh, now, day trading, you know, continued as a thing, but uh, very much looked down upon by the professionals in Wall Street that, you know, you guys are just, you're amateurs, you don't know what you're doing, you're never going to make much money on this. Uh, and here we go. Here's this this happening, facilitated by uh, by social media, facilitated by new technology, and completely pulled the rug out of uh, underneath the hedge funds. So I think I think it's a fascinating time. I think it is a, a very, very interesting indeed. Well, listen, I think that's enough money talk for this week. Uh, we'll definitely be back with a, a more hard news for you next week. But for now, Niall, thank you. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. One of the problems of the pandemic is that it has effectively put an end to amateur sport, leaving athletics or athletes to manage their own training or for coaches to have only limited contact with their players. Actimet is a software platform which seeks to bring players and coaches closer together through personalised training programmes and wellness monitoring. Rory McGarren is Head of Operations at Actimet and Head of Performance Analysis with the Galway Senior Hurling Team. He gave Niall Kitson a lesson in coaching, beginning with where the idea came from. So, so yeah, I started with Galway Senior Hurling in the backroom team in 2016 with Michal Donoghue and um, it was was a mayor come on at the time and, and over time I got more and more involved in the analysis side with Dave Morris uh, from Currafin and in 2019 I went into that totally working with Dave and a team there just uh, doing the performance analysis on, on ourselves and also on the opposition and then this year when, when Michal re- retired or, or left the fold um, the new management team asked me if I'd stay on just to get some continuity so um I stayed on and, and brought in a, a really good group of guys with me to to you know oversee the whole thing. Um, and with that, you know, we've had obviously had a, a strange year, but um, we've got a lot done and between the league and the championship, even though it was um, you know delayed. I think continuity really is the is the important word when looking at the kind of work that you're doing at the moment um, with Actimet as, as both software and a, a platform. So if you can tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the software, I mean, I imagine this was very much a product of, of necessity. Yeah, well, as I said, when I joined in 2016, um, I met Lucas, Lucas Kersenstein, who's the, the head S&C for Galway. And he was taking this subjective information like um, the perception of training players players felt or, or their wellness or readiness to play. He was seeing that over Google Sheets and Excel and sometimes, you know, paper and whiteboards. And uh, I work in a company called Planet. We 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 cover financial IT and operations. Um, and I brought in a developer there and the three of us got together and set up Actimet. And over the next year and a half, through a, a lot of work and a lot of testing and um, research, we developed a mobile app, which the athlete uses to put in this subjective information, like the, the perception of intensity of training or, or gym, and also the, the wellness, the readiness to play and, and their own sleep. And then that all sinks into a, a coach's web portal where a coach can review the, the full, full squad and see the different uh, perceptions, if you like, uh, between the different players on, on what, how training is impacting them or, or even how life outside training is affecting them, you know, because obviously there's a lot of things highlighted in wellness inputs that, that coaches and management, management teams can get involved in to help players. And um, so that's been 
a real benefit of it, I think. And then also with that, I mean, coaches can send down schedules and message and, and you know, set, set, set training plans, etc. that the athletes can all get from the same place. I imagine that's quite the challenge, uh, sort of combining that uh, quantitative element of, you know, how much are you lifting? How much are you running with that slightly amorphous um, wellness component? So how do you find both have been uh, embraced? Is it a case of, you know, people want to focus on that quantifiable self, on the on the lifting, on the gym work uh, versus the uh, the wellness? Or is there an acceptance that, look, there is there is. both should be looked at equally. Yeah, well, for me, like I, I haven't been, I've been involved in, I guess, high level sports all my life, and I've seen the the things like GPS and and measurements of weights lifted and speed, and that come, you know, come to the fore over the last 10, 10 15 years, um, and and a, I guess a bit of understanding there from both coach and athlete side, you know, as to the importance of that. And then over the last five or six years, I've noticed this subjective information has come more to the fore. And, and I can see it from talking to coaches, you know, that they're getting, they're becoming more and more interested and, and educated in the importance of the, the player's perception, if you like, on, on training load and on wellness. And of course, once the coaches understand it, they they generally feed it down to the athletes, and the athletes begin to understand the importance of you know feeling good, getting getting good sleep, um, and and just how their perception of training may differ from others' perception of training, if you like, with regard to intensity, and how little, little changes can help them improve their own fitness or performance, and um, to make sure that they're hitting the pitch, if you like, in the best frame of mind. Yeah, part of uh, Actimet as a platform is that you're you're using the the smart device on on the player, um, you know, uh, the, you know the the smartphone or what have you, and uh, the coach very much uh, their role kind of is to have a look at the personalization through a, through a web portal. So, have you found much of a change in the relationship between coaches and players as a result of this? Well, well, yeah, because. Um it means it allows a coach to give athletes a bit of individual attention, if you like, in the team setting. So it might mean that they train them a bit more or a bit differently based on the inputs they, they give on any given week or night. Um, and, and of course, of course, athletes, you know, really appreciate that and they respond to that. You know, they see that they, they, the coach or management team is trying to do the best for not only the team, for, but for the player individually. And, that builds up a trust, which is, you know, obviously massively important in sport as well, team sport and individual sport. And um, and then other athletes see, you know, some players getting this individual attention and, and they generally want a piece of that as well. So, so the buy-in comes there. Um, but some of the feedback we've got on the wellness has been outstanding really in that, you know, clubs and, and management teams have discovered issues players are having off the pitch in work or, or at home or wherever that um, they would never have known about. The player would never have walked up to them before training and told them about this. But because the player just decides to log someday at lunchtime or something and adds a note about what's happening in work or, or college even, why they're you know, not sleeping, the, the manager can often get involved and help them out in some way. Um, so, you know, it, it, it can be used as a, a cry for help, if you like, um, which most clubs and managers are only delighted to get involved and help their players. 
Yeah, I imagine it's quite the challenge, especially over the, the past year when there is that additional mental strain on people in dealing with the pandemic. Uh, do you find again that the you know players are embracing these kind of solutions as yeah, yeah, that's grand. I, I can get my sort of personal coaching, but yeah, there's there's a shoulder to cry on that maybe I would have found a little bit more difficult in the past that there is that element of remove when you're inputting something into a into a system that maybe you're a little bit more honest or maybe you're a little bit uh, you find it easier just to communicate any problems that you're having. Yeah, I think definitely. I, I got, we've spoke to a lot of players in in both um, female and male, and and you know they just they highlighted how difficult it is to walk up to a coaching team with say ten minutes before training on a Tuesday evening when there are thirty or forty other people there and tell them they've got an issue, be it an injury or they're tired or not eating or whatever it might be. But this gives them a private and secure way to share that information earlier on that day manager logs in and sees a you know works with the traffic light system sees a red flag and and then you know it's a conversation starter at least that that the manager can try and understand or the coach can understand what is happening and what they can do to help and and with that i mean the players obviously feel a lot more comfortable and and safe you know that they're 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 being looked after if you like um and also the data the player shows shares is, is secure and private you know so it's just between the management team and the player other players don't see what they're inputting be it their own wellness or their you know uh, perception of training intensity and i guess that personalization of intensity is very important for for managing burnout because i'm i'm sure coaches can have a look at the data and go actually you know here's another red flag here i know a little bit about what's been going on before but i've got a, a persistent decline in uh, in performance and do you know what maybe somebody needs to sit out a portion of the season just just to get themselves right exactly yeah there's a lot of research behind it now that shows um you know there's uh, the the rate of training or perceived intensity is is directly linked to um performance and fitness and also injury so you don't want somebody coming back from doing very little to doing a lot because the chance of injury increases dramatically over the next week or two and and likewise they can build people up uh, you know to, at the pace that's required depending on their age or the fitness level um and they can judge it off acting it and then with physios as well physios get a lot for it because they can as as players are rehabbing and coming back to the fold physios can keep an eye on what they're doing or how how hard they're finding the training and then pull back if needs be um yeah the, the burnout side is interesting because we've a few schools are, are trialing it and um you know, juvenile or underage teams and, and what they're seeing is their players are obviously playing hurling or football and they're also playing soccer and rugby. So they, they're able to see that, okay, this, this fella is training six, seven times a week, sometimes twice a day. And they're able to take action on that because pre-pandemic anyway, a lot of students would have been training in, in school or in college during the day and then they'd be expected to train that evening with their club and the club manager might not necessarily know that they were training during the day or the player mightn't tell them but again the club manager can see easily what they're doing outside their own training regime and and you know act accordingly because there's no point uh, people training all the time with no rest and, and like most things the understanding of the importance of rest now has increased dramatically over the last few years too yeah and i i guess again it's an opportunity to throw up red flags and go look okay you're you're overtraining you're putting yourself at risk of an injury that potentially could lead to something like a, a prolonged period of physiotherapy maybe a, an, a kind of an, a, an expensive road ahead uh, if you will uh, and i imagine there's you know athletes do take this on board 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think look at it. Sometimes it takes time, but uh, when athletes see, you know, other athletes benefiting from it, and and you know, players are smart. They read into what they're doing. They're input, they're serious about what they're doing. So when they 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 will learn about the benefits of this and um you know react to it because they can see it can improve their performance and and hopefully decrease the chance of getting injured and, and improve their fitness so at the moment the platform is uh, as a mobile app and as the web portal uh, what other technologies do you see down the line as as carrying uh Actimet? well we we were close to getting a state to a stage where we can use the data for in for machine learning so We've about two million rows of, of data from athlete inputs at the moment from um, numerous different sports around the world. We've clients in, in Ireland, obviously, and a lot in Central Europe, uh, Poland, Hungary, Czech Republic or Czechia and, and Germany, a few in the UK and US, Australia and New Zealand. And um, we think once we get to about three million rows of data, we'll be able to have some serious uh, machine learning capabilities. We're on about one and a half million at the moment. And potentially that will then help coaches spot when their players are getting near the, the peak of their performance, if you like, because obviously the plan for a coach is to train somebody so they're they're peaking for, you know, the important games. So we're hoping that we can help coaches with that. Um, and also there's a lot of research happening in the background with regard to injury prevention, if you like, um, and, and, you know, what different... Um, metrics are different types of things that people do what you know what causes injury uh, you know there's obviously overloading there's there's stress there's mood there's sleep and so on so we're trying to gather a lot of information there and we're working with some colleges to do some research on that and and see what we can do about it and that was Niall Kitson chatting with Rory McGoran, the head of operations at Actimet. And you can find out more about them at actimet.com. That's A-C-T-I-M-E-T uh, dot com. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or indeed listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio and Extra. Until next time, for myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.